Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. invite those who are able to stand, please do so to listen to God's holy word. The first lesson this morning is from Luke's uh, recounting in the Acts of the Apostles, the first chapter, verse 4 through 8. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? And he replied, it is not for you to know these times or periods, but the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the world. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now I ask those who are able to again stand for our second lesson, coming from the second chapter of Acts. Listen to the word of God. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each of one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, 
Let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. And then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, happy Father's Day and uh, good morning to you. I can look out and I see some friendly faces that I identify. I either ran into you in important places like Publix or uh, maybe I prayed with you at the hospital or maybe I was on my knees in your house not praying, fixing your kitchen. So I see a lot of you here. A few weeks ago um, was Pentecost Sunday and uh, we celebrated it at Edgewood and we talked about some of the same things we'll talk about this morning. But what a unique event occurs in Acts chapter 1 and 2. I mean, it's, Hollywood couldn't come up with that. And it teaches us a couple of uh, important, simple, but very important uh, things about our God. And so I'm going to just make three observations this morning about how God operated and what we can learn from it and how we might walk closer with him and, and uh, get to know him even better. Now, you know the story. Jesus had uh, three and a half years of ministry thereabout. And on Pentecost, on uh, Passover Sunday, 50 days in the past, he was crucified, dead, buried, and he became our Passover lamb. He died for your sins and, and has redeemed us. And, and so he comes out of the grave and he spends about 40 days with his disciples. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there? Man, I would, I, the questions I would, how'd you pull that off now? What'd you do? It, it, just great things we could, we could learn. And, but he, he told them, and we're told that, that Jesus talked about the kingdom. And so from what you read this morning, uh, they said, are you going to set up the kingdom now? And he says, no, not yet. It's not for you to know. And the thing I want you to note is God's got a timetable. He has a plan. And he had a plan that he wanted his son to die on, on Passover so we'd understand that he is our Lamb of God. And that the church be born on Pentecost being the time of the Spirit and it would be tied in, and it's all according to his perfect plan. Now, he has a plan for the church, and he has a plan for you as well. Back in the good old days at that uh, holy ground 
Auburn University. I was uh, a new believer, and one of the things we loved to talk about was that, that he, Jesus, has promised us an abundant life, and that he's got something for us to look forward to, and our life is somehow going to be guided by him, and it was exciting. Still, it's exciting, but God has that plan, and he has it in, in working right now as we talk. Uh, in Luke chapter 24, Jesus gives you an idea again of the planning of God. Let me read you part of that. Luke chapter 24, the disciples are with Jesus. And get the idea, idea again, that we've we got a calendar going here. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Everything that's been written, it will happen, guys. It's going to happen. And I've warned you about that. And so here's this, this plan, and that same kind of a plan is for you. There's a great passage in, in Psalms. I think it's uh, 124. I've got it written down here somewhere. But he says, the psalmist says, look, uh, God knows me from the day I was 139, Psalm 139. Uh, you put me together in the womb. You set out my days, how long I'm going to live. You're in total control of my life and being, and he is yours as well. So we have a sovereign God. Most Presbyterians have that down pretty good. But the interesting thing is, is it didn't start with your birth. It happened to start before the foundation of the earth. Now, how about that? Where did I get that from? Well, listen to this. This is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Imagine that, that he has liked you all these years, even before you were born, that he had a plan for you, and now that you're here and you're living your life, he still loves you and is still in control. So the first observation I see uh, in this passage when I look at God's work here is that God's got a time schedule. And when Peter preaches, he goes to Joel chapter 2, which is an Old Testament prophecy about 9th uh, century B.C., where the prophet says God is going is to come a day when God is going to pour out his spirit like never before. And when he does, you're going to see prophecies. You're going to see people speaking in tongues. You're going to see healings. And all these strange to me things are going to begin to happen. And as he closes that passage out of chapter 2, of the Old Testament there, he says even the moon is going to turn blood and all these kind of things. And he's saying, these men aren't drunk. These men are fulfilling the prophecy of Joel chapter 2, the Holy Spirit. The age of the Holy Spirit has come, and you're in it. You're in it. And it will finally come to an end and someday when Jesus comes by. So we're in the age of the, of the Spirit. It's all planned. Your life is planned. God is a planner, and he's in control. Well, there's another observation that comes to me. You know, when you see, when I, and I, I can think back as a young Christian, and even as a child, when somebody would mention the Holy Spirit, I can remember my first thought, it must be like Casper the Friendly Ghost. 
Maybe that's what he is, and, and, or, or something like that. Now, having been a Christian for so long, I know that he's a member of the Trinity, a fully God. As much as Jesus is God, it's God the Father is God. But he's coming in a, in a way to, to work that he's never done before. He got a big bunch of people in Jerusalem. Josephus wrote that uh, one of his Passovers, he's a historian, that there was a million seven hundred thousand Jews in that town. And if you've ever been over there, that's crowded. And so they're there, they're from all over the, the world, all speak different languages. And you met this guy for coffee a little bit earlier in the day. He didn't know your language, and now he's coming out of here and speaks your language. He, he communicates. Now guess what they are saying? What do you think they're talking about in these languages? I'll tell you. They're telling those folks, Jesus is real. Jesus is real. He really did die. And he really did come out of the grave. And he really did ascend into heaven. It's real. And you can have salvation through simple faith in Jesus Christ if you want to. And they hear it, and they read further in chapter 2, thousands join the church. They hear the gospel, which tells me God is a God that wants to communicate. That's the second point. If you want to hear him, he'll talk. You need to be in the book. I just finished a series over at Edgewood called Whispers. And uh, I usually get a little nervous with some of, the, some of these uh, subject. But anyway, what we're looking at was how do I increase my ability to hear and understand the Word of God in that subjective world? How do I, how do I know? And so we were studying, but boy, was it nice to sit there and think that God would talk to me. He might even talk to you. I don't know how he feels about Presbyterians, but he probably would. And he listens to you and you listen to him. He is a God who wants to communicate. The great gospel is being preached around the world. And by the way, it still is. Have any of you heard uh, of the group Wycliffe Bible Translators? Well, when I went to seminary, all the goofy smart guys were going to go off into the bush somewhere after getting highly educated and spend their entire life working on new Bible translations to people that, that don't have it. And I thought, gosh, that, that's, that's interesting. First of all, I'm, language is not my cup of tea. I promise you that. And these guys would study these languages. They're still there. I still get letters from, from them. And there's still many languages that have not yet been uh, translated. And if you go on their website for Whitcliffe Bible Translators, you can see some of those. Interesting thing is it's a little different than it was back when I was in seminary. Now they use computers. Now they can, they can get on the internet somehow. They can get it out of the bush down there. And they run all this stuff through these computers and, and they can begin quicker to translate the gospel so these folks can know that Jesus is real. So it's still a communicating God. And God communicates through one major mouth. And that means you've got to look in the mirror. He communicates through the church. That's what Pentecost was. Got a bunch of people, gave them the ability to preach and communicate, and that's where our church came from. Plan A for evangelism and ministry 
God's plan A for Columbus, Georgia is the church. And there isn't a plan B. It's all, that's all it is. And he wants, like he did then, to teach us to communicate, give us the power of the Holy Spirit to motivate us, and let us communicate the gospel to this community. Who needs it? Our world needs it. This place is getting scary out there with all the things that are going on. And so he is a God who communicates. He is a God who has a plan. And then the last thought I gathered from this is they immediately, the people who accepted Christ, got together. Immediately. You know, you know they didn't have any book on church growth back then. They just, they just knew they're supposed to be together. And they knew they were supposed to minister to each other, that they were part of something. So God is a God of fellowship. You're not a lone ranger. Some of you can do a little bit of that, but most of us need people. And we find it very difficult to grow in our walk with Jesus if we're not tied in with other believers, some level of intimacy with them. So you can talk about it. It says that they, they ate together, that they shared things in, in common together, and that they gave themselves to the teaching of the apostles. And that's another class I wish I could have taken. Boy, what they must have been talking about, you know, a week or two after Pentecost. It must have been fantastic. Well, so what? The so what is this. You've got an amazing God that wants to communicate with you. You've got an amazing God that has your life planned out and you can walk with him or not. I'd encourage you to walk with him. And the last so, so what is, is that there's a fellowship of believers right here. And there's some of you who are in here that just hope that one of the other people in here might say hi to them. Or invite them to, to lunch after church. The church, you can take it out of the coffers of the church. No, you can't. So to do something to get tied in with other people. And if you're going to slip and get a little tired in our old age, I never thought I'd get this old, but it takes, takes discipline to, to, to build those characteristics, those things. He wants to communicate to you. He wants you in a fellowship. And he's got a plan. I hope that that will encourage you to grow and follow him during this week. And I'd like to close in prayer, then turn it back over to you. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the men and women that are sitting in these pews. Father, I am well aware that I don't have the capacity to motivate people, but you do. I know that your word is true and it's powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. We invite you, Father, to use that, those blades to cut into us, to motivate us, to heal us, and bring us solely in, inside of your will. Bless, bless these people. Bless the dads. Bless these fathers who have raised good kids and, and made the kids honor them this day. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.